listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture is Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 25. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is my guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one after another, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have to remember to look up in the balcony too and and make eye contact with those eyes. Before I get started, I I just want to say uh, thank you for your prayers and your concern. Some of you don't know, but I had a bad car accident about a year ago, and uh, I'm pretty much recovered now, but knowing that you were praying for me and concerned and supporting Lori when she came, uh, and that I could stay home uh, and watch the, during COVID as well, and watch you guys on TV. So thank you for all your, your encouragement and your support. It's been a uh, it's been a journey, as I was telling to somebody this morning, I feel like I, I'm a, 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 my same person in a different body. My body is just not the same as it once was, but uh, I'm getting old anyway, so that's probably, that's probably part of it. This passage that Lori read is a very familiar passage. For most of us, for several reasons, we hear these words Jesus speaks in the passage when the pastor and the moderator are up here as, and celebrating communion or the Lord's Supper. You might notice in the scripture in verse, between verses uh, 21 and 22, there's a little phrase, the institution of the Lord's Supper. That's, it is that Passover meal 
when we get our Lord's Supper or communion. Also, this passage and other similar passages in the Gospels are part of our Holy Week celebration. So not only do we, do we read it here at every month of communion, our focus during Holy Week is in all of these activities. We also know as we read this, one of the advantages we have with the Gospel is we know what's going to happen. Uh, and we know as we read this and as we see them celebrating this meal, that things are going to go from bad to worse for Jesus before the resurrection. That we have that in the back of our mind, that sense of foreboding as we read it. While not directly mentioned until later in the chapter, Judas is mentioned indirectly. He's the one who's going to betray Jesus to the Jewish authorities. So there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of interesting things to draw our attention and get us thinking and wondering. Uh, like this whole thing about the arrangements that Jesus made in the city and go, go say a certain phrase to a man. That, that kind of gets us. And then we say, oh, ooh, don't forget, he's going to be betrayed uh, at that meeting. But we cannot miss the significance of one particular phrase. And that is, this is the first day of unleavened bread. Or this is the Passover Seder. That's what they're celebrating. Now, we cannot miss the significance of Passover. Uh, I'm sure, I'm not sure, we learned about Passover in Sunday school. Or oh, remember the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, you know, with Charlton Heston, and the fog comes into the scene, and, uh, and you hear everybody uh, screaming, and, and all the animals are dying. Maybe we remember it from that way. Because that the angel of death passes over every house, what, where the blood is on the lentil, the blood of the lamb is on the lentil, so death doesn't hit them. Passover by Jesus' time in Israel was a major celebration. We can't underestimate that enough. By the way, also a little hint in the Gospels, it's not in the text, but if you read Jesus in Jerusalem, he's always in Jerusalem around a certain holiday. A certain, and there were four, we'll talk about those later, but there's three primary times when they have to go to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate. But the Passover in Jesus' time was sort of like Thanksgiving with a special family meal and the 4th of July, remembering the freedom that, that Israel received. All taking place at the same time in the same place. That's what Passover was. Passover was one of the three required holy days in Jewish life. The other being Shavuot, or Festival of Weeks, or we know it as what? Pentecost. Pentecost is always 50 days after Passover. Uh, and then Sukkot, which was uh, a later harvest festival, and they made these little booths uh, to remember their 40 years of wandering. So uh, Passover, uh, Pentecost, and Festival of the, of the Booths, or Tabernacle. When I was an army chaplain station, I, I was an army chaplain. I was deployed to Qatar uh, from 04 to 05, and I was uh, 
installation chaplain and, and some of the higher-ups trying to send me a bunch of these little booths so I could make these little... And I, I said, no, no, please send them back. I don't, I don't need a, a room full of booths up in my chapel. Uh, but uh, in Jewish history and scripture and tradition, three or four times Passover is mentioned. And some documents, some historic documents of some of the early Jewish community uh, actually mention Passover was celebrated. Uh, and that changed dramatically after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. However, by Jesus' day, by Jesus' day, up to 200,000 people, or a significant portion of Israel's population, would be in Jerusalem on that. Think about that. Think about, all I can think of is, remember, everybody tries to travel at Thanksgiving and go home. It'd be that kind of a, a big, messy situation. One can imagine that Passover took even more significance to a nation now under Roman rule. They can remember and tell the story how God delivered them and maybe hope that God would deliver them again. Pilate understood this. Remember the practice he had of releasing one prisoner at Passover? And they said, no, we don't want Jesus, we want Barabbas. And he offered Jesus uh, the crowd so they could release Jesus. At this point, I believe Jesus knew he was on the outs with the religious leaders and that his days were numbered. Those money changes, and uh, Dan talked about the money changes and, and the rich Jewish families that were making money. Those money changes he confronted, surely he got on the wrong side of some wealthy Sadducees and their business connections. And it's estimated, by the way, that thousands and thousands of animals would be sacrificed every year. Nevertheless, don't forget, we're not talking church. We're not even talking early church. Rather, this is a group of 12 young men, observant Jews, who followed and shared life and faith and adventures with this itinerant rabbi named Jesus. It appears that Jesus, the rabbi, had already made arrangements with someone to be able to celebrate their Passover dinner in private. By the way, if you look at the church bulletin, they weren't all sitting on the same side of the table. Does everybody know that? <laughs> it's an old joke about separate checks for everybody, but... Uh, I found this to be an interesting contrast. As often, Jesus likes to put responsibility on the disciples, like, you feed them, you go get them, you do that. He takes total responsibility. Not this time. He's hosting, he's leading, and something more is remember In the midst of this special occasion, he tells about being betrayed. And he institutes the new covenant, all at the same meal. He seems to be, do things at once, shocking them with intrigue of who would be the one to betray him and giving new meaning to the breaking of the bread. As I said earlier, one of our advantages or disadvantages 
is that we already know the story. We know that this betrayal meant arrest, trial, whipping, a cruel, painful public crucifixion and death. Not in short, the disciples didn't know that yet. They were used to, but they were used to Jesus doing something spontaneous and sometimes outrageous. You know, taking mud and spitting in the mud and, and rubbing it on somebody's eyes. They were used to Jesus doing some, you know, out-of-the-box kind of thinking. So they left no wonder what it meant for him and, the, and themselves. Also remember the Passover meal is a ritual meal with certain kind of food, usually unleavened bread, because they left in haste and did not have the time for the bread to rise. They, they, the bread was on their backs. Churras or like an applesauce, that's a mortar that to remember putting the bricks together, and bitter herbs for the suffering, and a roasted lamb. Even though the famous picture shows them all seated on one side of the table, this was long before selfies, by the way. Uh, tradition has the meal, they were standing, they would eat it quickly or, or be ready to move. There would be several toasts and several glasses of wine. So the rabbi, here add something new, even as these direct words would be best remembered after the fact. If we go back, by the way, and read early in the book of Exodus, we would read some foreboding words. I'm still a paper guy. I can't get used to using the iPad yet. Early in, if you read this in Exodus, it says, now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israel Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of war join our enemies and fight against us and escape the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built the cities of Pitom, Ramses, for Pharaoh. Joseph's story is much more than, remember the musical Joseph? Uh, and the Magic College? Joseph's story is much more than a musical. It's the story of an abandoned child with some incredible gifts who essentially becomes the highest ranking official in Egypt, rising to prominence both with ability to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, then chosen to oversee the preparation in the nation's agriculture for the seven years of drought that, are, that he predicts are coming. It's in this situation that Moses was born. And by good fortune, not unlike Joseph, he too becomes connected with Pharaoh's court. Without going into the whole Moses story of his fleeing, of seeing the burning bush and returning to Egypt to deliver his people, that is where the Passover story starts. I apologize. Yeah, so here, we're going to switch a mic. I apologize. 
Here you go. Okay. It's already on. Oh, it's already on. Okay. Yep. And I'm just gonna mm. steal it. Right, I gotta put this way. Like that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. Did you get the first takeaway? Yes. Okay. The second takeaway then is that I will deliver. Back in the days, they used to talk in biblical circles about parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament or identified Christ types in the Old Testament. Well, it's not a hard stretch, is it? To understand that we, we too have one who delivered us and delivers us in the end. By the way, my old, I have a, my old Presbyterian worship book. I started out seminary as a Presbyterian, then I saw the Baptist light. <laughs> but I've used that worship book over years, uh, and I often did, like to do a long prayer before we celebrate communion. But one of the, the phrases in the, in the communion prayer is this, and I love what this says. As we pray, we said, we trust him, Jesus, to overcome every power to hurt or divide us so that when you bring in your promised kingdom, we'll celebrate victory with him. God says, I will deliver. As the disciples gathered for their Passover meal, remembering their history and the story as observant Jews, it was always a story of wonder and of those living in Roman-occupied Jerusalem, wondering what's next. Judas was part of what's next because he was a zealot and he wanted to start a revolution. These young men from Galilee had cast a lot in with this young rabbi. They too must have wondered, what's next? What's next? Not for them and not so much the world. But three days would change everything. We have to go back to Moses once again for our third takeaway. For not only is Passover about God hearing and God delivering, it's also about God preparing for what we read in verse 8. I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptian and will bring them up out of the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesazites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Our third takeaway, a land of milk and honey. Let me explain. At the end of the Passover meal, Jesus drinks his last cup of wine on this side of death. And he says, reminds the disciples he will drink again. He will drink wine again in the new, in the king, drink anew in the kingdom of God. My friends, God hears our cry. God sent his son to deliver us. And our God has prepared a kingdom for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for hearing us. 
Thank you, God, for listening. Thank you for delivering us. Help us to go this day knowing that you, you always hear us. You answer. You deliver. You give us hope. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.